This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Loretta. Hailing you <laughs> from the <clears throat> outer desert zone with Jim Morrison. All right. What you, you escaped the void somehow. Exactly. I escaped the void for the show. It, and, it, was, uh, it was a last-minute escape, too. You must have Somebody must have smuggled a, a metaphysical hacksaw. In there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the truth. My, uh, my shatsu... Uh, Man uh, took ill, so he canceled today, which he never does. But he's he's eighty. He's eighty. So hey, what the heck? Exactly. But, um, yeah. Maybe. I would like to say before we start, Walt. Uh, we emailed back and forth, and he talked about time and life being finite. I don't know so much for you, Eric, but I'll be turning seventy in March and like I'm not old but like this is the last section of my life and I look at the past decades and I it brought to mind Morrison's waiting for the sun. I feel like with all the crazy stuff that's happened in the world, everything seems to be off the rails. I feel like I'm I'm waiting for the sun, waiting for something better to happen. It's uh, Morrison said, waiting for you to come along, waiting for you to tell me what went wrong. This is the strangest life I've ever known, and that's how I feel. It is the strangest freaking life I've ever known. Yeah, I mean, I, I live in a world now where, because um, I was the crazy conspiracy theorist, and now I'm the, the sage, wise, elderly <laughs> man who... Change. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's. I think it's crazy and ridiculous. And it was just like uh, my have things have changed and things are upside down. When I'm the smartest and the wisest person in the room, that's when you know that you are basically screwed. <laughs> or, or, or you're at a state institution, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. How are you guys doing? Well, Nurse, well I, I, will, I will tell you first. Nurse Cratchit just came by, and she wanted to ask Walt, it would, um, would he like uh, coffee, tea, or juice with his, with his medication? So <laughs> I'll just take it straight up. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to dilute it. it. It'll pump, pump the medication faster. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, to, to uh, respond to your, to your comments, Jim, um, I was watching a thing with with David Wilcock the other night on Gaia, which which is now my new go to TV forum yeah. for the real um, news. For well, for for stuff that you just don't see anywhere else. It's just you know they have the courage to talk about things that 
their their controlled me- media won't even address. Yeah, you know, exactly. They, they don't even exactly. want to have any part of it. They they'd prefer to talk about Kanye West's new uh, trip to the mental hospital. Or, oh, exactly. Or, or whatever you know, wherever the. Bullshit. I couldn't sleep the other night. I Bullshit stayed up all news. night worrying about it. <laughs> I, I, I figured you did. Uh, you were you were just wondering if um, you were going to get a shot at Beyonce. I think is what what you were. Worried. Or Kim Kardashian. Or, or Kim, Kim, his, his wife. I, is oh, Kim I got Kardashian. the two mixed up. I'm sorry. It's very easy to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. They're they're, they're, inter- bo- they're interchangeable. <laughs> they're 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 both gorgeous, <clears throat> but one sings and one doesn't. Oh, and one just shakes her booty. I think it, yeah. and shows off her right. her her what, um, her whatever. Yeah, her whatever. Who cares? Um, so he, he was talking about how we're, we're really actually coming into a new age. Um, and, and Eric and I were talking a little bit about this before you, you uh, came into the, from the void. But um, he, he says that we're coming into a golden age, uh, which is actually the age of, the, of Aquarius. And, and we talked about how, how all these people predicted the end of the world, and there's some new guy apparently that's doing that now through with some kind a woman of actually this time. It's, oh, it's a, a woman, woman this time. Change of pace. Uh, but but he's he's saying that you know that we're we're coming into an age of enlightenment, which doesn't seem very likely at this point, judging by where we are. I think, but I think you have to sometimes reach a low point before you actually start to come up again sometimes you have to hit rock bottom and, and maybe that's where we are maybe we've bottomed out i don't think we our... bottomed i don't think we hit bottom yet no you know well we're working on it we're working on it we're going to be talking about hitting rock bottom in the second half of the show um i i do think that we are um somehow some way moving toward a more spiritual um stage i i, I have to believe that it's just Something that you have to believe it, or you'll go makes, crazy. It gets me through the night, I guess. You know? Yeah, you have to believe that, or yeah. you will go insane. Right, and we all we all have our own individual responsibility for that. I think, and, and you you know, well, you know you know that well, full well, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I th- near the bottom. We're on top of the whale ship. Once we go underneath of it, then I think we're at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that maybe that's you know maybe the bottom is just not quite there yet but i think we're getting there yeah no we are oh i agree with you so i I, just to just to fill jim in just for a second there's a woman out there who is allegedly a computer programmer and she has created an algorithm that is combining um biblical prophecy and current events and she is convinced through her computer program slash algorithm that the end of the world will occur before the end of december which is I got to get to the cleaners because I, I I don't have anything decent to wear. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! What exactly? If, so I, if I had times, a if, predictions, if I had a dime for every time somebody predicted yeah. the end of the world, I have it. I have right here. I'd be a, I'd be a Rothschild. <laughs> I have it right here. I have it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one news item that I wanted to talk to the two of you. Well, actually, two news items I wanted to talk to the two of you about, and I wanted to talk about. Um, we didn't touch about this enough, I don't think, but allegedly the situation is over. And I don't want to get too controversial, but I do think that we have to address uh, this situation going on in Standing Rock. And apparently it's over. And of course, I have to ask my Indian brother, Walt, what the hell just happened? Well, I think some kind of deal got made somewhere. And I think Obama intervened to with the... Uh the company that's constructing that or the oil company behind it or whatever. But it's only a temperature, uh, temporary reprieve, I think. 
Yeah. I think once Trump takes the reins, then the whole thing will get turned around again. And You know, I talked to Artie um, Sixkiller Clark recently by email, and she said her, her niece has been at the site for a few months, and she actually got arrested. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you that if I was there, Walt, I would have been arrested as well. Well, I, you know, I, I wish that I had, like I said uh, last week, I, I wish I had the courage to have gone and stood, stood with, a, um, with our native brothers but, uh, and sisters. But um, I think that they did accomplish something. They got it. They got it halted anyway. Yeah, that's, that's something. And you know, rather than just letting it totally have have them that entity have its own way. Yeah. Sort of with the environment and with the you know, with the Native American uh, sacred lands. And, and and the big biggest thing of all is, is the potential to pollute the Missouri River, which is It's a combination of two. It's, it's a combination a, of two. Right. So, so they did accomplish something, um, whether it's going to have a long-term impact on, on the actuality of it, hard to say. We'll see. Hard we'll, to say. We'll see. Right. But at least they got their voice heard. That's, that's something. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So what's your, what's your next one, Eric? The next one here, uh, Jim... Give us, yep. gi- give us, give us your first one. Give us your first real. I'm going to do something a little different today. I want to follow Walt's format. So uh, I got a, a great thing in the Star of Bethlehem. I'm going to save till your Christmas show. Oh, good one. Okay. Yeah, yeah save that, that for work. A, a work. very short, a very short line here. I want to put out there that the, they've found what appears to be a mummified alien gray skull in Peru. They sent it out for DNA testing, and um, that's all there is on it right now. But I looked at the pictures, and if it's not an alien gray, I don't know what it is. Is this the sea land skull? Like Jim, is, is this the sea land skull that I also had in my show notes? I don't. What's it called? It's called the sea land skull. Yes. Yes. And That's I, it. I looked at, I looked at this, and I'm saying this is probably concrete evidence, or this is a really good fake. Yeah, exactly. So the other thing I want to talk about today, I'm going to roll all of this into one because there was three articles. Uh, you know, Dorothy Eady. Did you ever hear of her? She I, was a little girl, turn of the century, in 1903, I think. She fell down the stairs. They thought she died. She awoke. And, uh, and then during the next few years, <clears throat> she kept reliving an Egyptian life. And long story short, uh, before she passed away, she ended up like uh, visiting the British Museum. She was kissing the statue. She was she helped archaeologists find uh, things that no one knew about. Uh, supposedly, her story is that she was a priestess in the temple, and the pharaoh visited her. And uh, they had an affair when temple head temple priestess found out that she was pregnant. She was sentenced to death, so she committed suicide. Now, that is an interesting uh, a story for someone to like delve into further. But this connects to uh, a couple of things I found on the Great Pyramid. Evidently, there are some extremely rare old images of the Sphinx before they uncovered it. One taken from a hot air balloon in the 1800s. And it shows an entranceway in the head of the Sphinx. It's absolutely clear. And uh, Hancock and Robert Baval state that uh, evidently there are other passageways that are being covered up uh, by the Egyptian government and the, the uh, uh, certain American archaeologists. So, 
again, they believe that the Hall of Records is underneath the Sphinx or near its paw, but they're not allowed to delve into it. We talked about this before, but I thought the pictures, the new pictures uh, that are uh, very old are very interesting because they I looked at it, and it does show an entranceway in the head of the Sphinx that's been covered up. And the last thing that I want to tie together here is a uh, an article that talks about the missing capstone of the Great Pyramid. And evidently, um, there's some speculation that it was a, a gold cap, but there's some other speculation that it was a like a um, crystal sphere that collected energy. Uh, who knows what it was used for? Maybe a worldwide energy system. But um, there was a German inventor who went there in the 1800s when you could still climb to the top, and uh, he brought... Uh, he created a Leyden jar. He put paper around a glass jar, and when he got to the top and he held it up, all kinds of sparks were flying out of it. His Egyptian guides got upset. They thought it was some form of witchcraft. They tried to attack him, and he knocked one of them down with a charge from it. So um, I just thought all that tying together was uh, some kind of some interesting information on the, on Egypt, you know, the Great Pyramid and um, and the Sphinx. I think they're all tied together. And they probably go back way before the time of Egypt. But we've talked about that before. I just thought that maybe you guys might want to comment on that. I think well, it, it, goes, it goes back to the, um, <clears throat> to the notion that the, that the pyramids were actually energy collection devices as opposed to just yeah. what we have come, we've been taught that they were tombs right, you know, for, the, right. for the pharaohs or whatever, which I think is totally bogus. I mean, that, they, might have been, they might have been buried in there, but I think the, <clears throat> probably the reason why they were buried in there was they they believed that the the pyramid could provide them with the energy energy to to move on to the next to the next life. Exactly. I think that's why they were put in there, not because they were like monuments to them. Um, and and that goes to the to the idea that um, there's some kind of natural way to you know to move on to the to the next to the next life. Um, and and the the people that were of the higher order in in Egypt, the priests and the and the rulers, the pharaohs and the queens, were privy to that mystery school information, mm -hmm. which would which would lead to that, you know, which I which I think is interesting. The idea the the, the idea of the lady falling down the stairs and getting glimpses into her, which I guess would have been a her past life. Is that, yeah, is that they, they, they say it's a strong case for reincarnation because she yeah. could read Egyptian and she she knew she guided archaeologists to places that they didn't even know existed. I wonder what the I wonder what the um, vehicle was. Was it the fact that she hit her head? Yeah, um, it and, seems to be. I mean, they thought she died, and right. then she right. they think she actually died. If she was three years old, and she woke all of a sudden, and she seemed to be fine for like the next four years, and then I guess around the age of seven, she started having like these visions and talking about her life in Egypt and identifying people and places, and uh, you know, it's a pretty strong case for reincarnation. I wonder, I wonder what, the, uh, <clears throat> what, the, what the mechanism is for that. Why, why hitting her head opened up that channel or that pathway or, or whatever we it don't, is. We don't understand the My take <clears throat> that, that if she hit her head and died during that that interim between life and death, she made a connection with the other side or, or something crossed. And when she 
when she revived, and that does happen sometimes, people die and then they then they revive for some right, reason. Right, right. That she brought back with her this uh, knowledge of this other life. Well, I will tell you that there's the notion that it, after you die, you remember everything from your other previous lives, and you're able to see your life that just you just lived and all the previous lives it, together in a much greater context. How do you know that? A little bird told me. Oh. <laughs> no, because the thing is, is that it was just like, I, I mean, I have had reoccurring dreams of of people and places that I really shouldn't have any knowledge of. And there's a reason why I am so attached to, you know, what we would consider the golden era, the 20s and 30s and 40s. And it was just like, there are moments when it was just like, I'll be watching a documentary and it was just like, oh yeah, I remember that. Now, is it because I have deja vu because I've seen this documentary before and I totally forgot about it? Or was I, was I really there? Was I really, you know, a, uh, a middle-aged partisan fighter in the middle of, of the forests of the Ukraine or something like that, fighting against the forces of evil? I mean, who knows? Who yeah. knows? But I do have those dreams often. I also have... Uh, you know, there are there are times when it's like I'll hear a song that I've never heard before, allegedly, and it just it just sounds familiar. And I think we all have moments like that where we have those moments of deja vu. And it was you could either write it off as you you've heard the song before, you just don't remember, or you are actually remembering a song from a previous lifetime, or something like that. I think I think too that we're actually at different points were able to glimpse into the collective unconscious right. that, that Jung talked about. And and I think maybe in your dream state, your 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 brain is in a um, is a, is operating a different wavelength maybe. Sure. And that allows you to to somehow get channels into, in. into, yeah. into that whole thing. Which I think everything is there. I think everything right. that is, was and will be is in that it's all there. place. The collective unconscious. It's all there. Um, so at, at some points we get glimpses into that for, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I know that with me, deja vu is more of an emotional thing. Like, right, right. Like I, I somehow, some things trigger emotions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's not even an intellectual memory. Yeah. It's, it's more of a, uh, more of a, um, emotional memory, I guess. Right. You know, where, where I get a feeling about something. That, that maybe happened. Um, I, I've said this before. I know since I moved to New England, every time I go past one of these places that's like an old garage, like a like a where you have about fifty cars sitting outside in various stages exactly. of re repair. Yeah. There used to be a an old filling station, and now sure. some guy named Mush Thomas has taken it <laughs> over, and and he's you know he's he's fixing brakes in in his in his backyard garage you know i don't i don't know why i always get a i always get an emotive emotional reaction to that like that's where place. you belong like well, that's where you belong or something happened there it's in some other life or something maybe sure. I, don't, I don't know what it is i, I don't have any intellectual sure. memory of it sure it's just i get this weird kind of like connection to it as i'm you know as i'm driving by a sense of belonging that you cannot explain maybe that's not even belonging it's just like it's a familiarity uh, that yeah yeah that i don't have any accounting for i never worked in a place like that i never yeah. um had any real physical connection to a place like that other than the fact that my father worked on cars sometimes and i helped him and things like sure. that but that doesn't really sure doesn't really account for it I don't yeah think. so i don't know it's just it's an interesting phenomenon that yeah um, I, I'd like to know more about the blow and 
with the blow in the head, blow on the head that that lady took. Right. Had. Right. That's that's not yeah, the that's, first time that's happened. You know. That's yeah, we don't we don't have any way to vet that, but uh, evidently her Egyptian name when from her life there was Almsedi, and she was a guardian of the temple and a healer, and she uh, she validated uh, things that Egyptologists uh, you know have come up with from deciphering papyrus texts and uh, and hieroglyphics. So uh, Did you, it's it's pretty. It, they think it's like one of the strongest cases for uh, reincarnation they've come across. Hmm. Well, speaking of reincarnation, you um, are so one one thing. One quick thing I wanted to get to before we take our break, and and this kind of segues into the next section. Is is one of the things you sent out was a was an article from is it Nexus Newsfeed. That you, yes. you you send quite a few things from that. That's that's really pretty good, actually. There's a lot of that's good. A stuff. There's a lot of good stuff there. A lot of stuff you don't see um, in the in the controlled media, as as we talked about. Um, but it was an article about Jacob Rothschild. Yes. There we go. Who who basically apparently this guy is a Yugoslavian uh, immigrant, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there was there was a lot of um, political stuff going on and in Yugoslavia with the Serbs and that kind of thing. Sure. And, and his, his thinking is that, that the Rothschild uh, clan or family intervened in this. Mm-hmm. And, and that basically the thrust of the article is that the Rothschild family pretty much controls the whole banking industry and, in essence, controls the, the world. And we're going to talk about that in the we're next gonna, We're going to get show. to that in the next part of the show. But what, the point I wanted to make was that one one of the things that he said that I thought was really interesting was that the you know this this family is that this is the top of the heap, I mean they they basically own and control pretty much everything that has any kind of power attached sure. to it. Um, I mean people don't even know how much money they have. That's how rich they are. They hide it and they put it in different. Sure. You know they have really wealthy elite people have different ways of, of hiding their money so people don't really know how much they have sure and you put it in but, trusts and foundations and those kinds of things yeah but but one of the things he said which i thought was interesting was that a lot of the people who we see as the wealthy elite like um warren buffett and and the rockefellers and those kinds and of george people, soros soros is another one are are really minions of of the Rothschild family? Oh yeah, they're they're, oh. they're really um, sort of paid um, agents. Yeah, you know that they're they're the ones that people know about. Yeah, people, the Rothschilds stay under the they stay under the radar. Um, you know, you don't really ever see many stories about them or anything about them, basically because they own all the media outlets. So so there's anything that you know comes around about that they squash it. Um, but but he he was saying they they do things like um, they were trying to get Clinton and and apparently from the, what this guy is saying is that you know they've control they control all the presidents you know they they just set it up so that um, the Republicans and the Democrats are really the only two candidates that can theoretically get elected and and they they contribute money to both of those campaigns so that either one of them gets elected, they still win either way. So they were saying that Clinton, this guy was saying that Clinton was balking them on this Yugoslavian issue of sending sending troops in there or something. And um, so they set up the whole Monica Lewinsky thing, knowing that that was his, you know, that was his Achilles. There's also heel, another, there's also another thing which is, that which happened is interesting. as well during the Clinton administration <clears throat> that I think is is sort of very important, which is, 
um, the death of Bill Clinton's mother very early on in his presidency, which is a way that I believe that did she really have cancer or and I'm so, and and this sounds so weird and this sounds so nasty and it's it and so Eric and so Eric because the thing is is that there are a lot of people who and this is not my theory and I'm almost embarrassed to repeat it. Did they bump her off to remind him of who's really in charge when he started to go off the rails with some of his policies? Well, who knows? I mean, there's, there's a lot of thinking that um, nobody really knows who his father is. Um, there's no real clear documentation on who his father is. Yeah. But what they do know is that there was a, there was a segment of the Rockefeller clan that was in Arkansas doing something. I don't know. There was some kind of project or something. But So they think that there's a chance that Clinton's mother was impregnated by one of the Rockefeller boys. Yeah. And and that's, you know, the lineage that came down for, from, which is why Bill emerged from Arkansas um, and became president sort of seemingly from nowhere. Right. You know, he was, he, so he was kind of groomed for that. What's that, Tim? That's interesting. Yeah. And he became, he became, uh, he was a Rhodes Scholar, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, which, you know, the Rhodes Foundation is a, is a, is a, another one of the Rothschilds um, little side things? Uh, yeah, the, the, the whole you know, show me the money. That's no, no, the whole the whole Rhodes scholarship is was based on somebody who honestly, Cecil Rhodes. Cecil Rhodes, yeah. honestly, he was a true believer of the One World Order that we're oh, gonna, yeah. we're yeah. going to be talking yeah. about during you know what what is what does the New World Order have to do with the spirit of Christmas? And we're going to be, we're going to be talking, and, and you laugh. Stretch. You no, you laugh. You think it's funny. No, I, I know that. But, I know what you're. I know where you're going. Yeah, but. yeah. So we have some really controversial things to talk about. So I, I thought that was a pretty interesting story, Jim. I don't, I don't know if you read the whole article or not, but um, if not, go back and read it. It's it's pretty kind of lengthy, but it, the guy really makes some pretty good points, salient points about different, yeah. different mechanisms uh, of control. Since you're going to talk about finances, are you going to? Uh, address it all are you going to weave in there what's happening with the student debt in this country uh the fact that the lobbyist from the banking industry um got a law passed that student debt can never be gotten rid of even in bankruptcy and it's just it's like uh, it's holding us back as a nation it's just crushing young people it's all part of the show it's it's, it's, like it's trillion, all part a trillion of dollars of college debt right now it's all part of the show. What it, yeah, does, it what it does is it, it has people begin their lives in in debt enslavement, essentially. Yes. Which which you know there, there's there's kids graduating from college that have like a hundred thousand dollar student loan debt, and, and if what you're saying is is correct, then they're gonna not even be able to get out of that through through any kind of legal means or anything like that. No. Um, so you know that's something that. People really need to think about when they're they getting were, ready yeah. to go to college. You know, do yeah. they want to take? Yeah, it's nice to go to Harvard or, or wherever wherever How you can get in. Pay for it? Yeah, but if you can't afford to pay for that, then you, you know, if you're going to have to take out huge loans to get through that school, you yeah. better you better be looking at a damn good job when you get out of college to if to you pay can that find off, if you, you know? can find the damn good yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a, a house mortgage. You know, you can buy a. a an okay house for a hundred thousand dollars. Well, it depends you know? on where you're buying it, though. <clears throat> well, yeah. And, and what I'm saying, you can buy a house for a hundred thousand dollars. Yes. I'm not saying it's going to be um, yes, the Taj Mahal, but 
you know, so so look, that that's that's it's uh, crippling. Yeah, it's crippling. People people come out of school with a with a huge burden. As always, we are looking for things to promote and share on the Metaphysical Connection podcast. If you have something that you would like us to discuss on the show, you can send us your copy to my email address, info at thefedorachronicles.com. We will help you to promote your events, goods and services, and media that you created like documentaries, books, and even other podcasts that would be interesting to our audience. Once again, drop me a line at info at thefedorachronicles.com. You can find out more about us by going to metaphysicalpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter handle with more social media to come in the next few weeks. Support the show by going to zazzle.com slash Chronicles for Metaphysical Connection products and items from our other media on the Fedora Chronicles network. So anyway, as everybody knows, this is probably one of the most stressful times of the year. If you are a parent or if you're the Christian persuasion, because it is, it's shopping season. Or, it's if, shopping. or if you're a mall Santa. If you're a mall Santa, because God knows there's nothing worse than having a screaming six-year-old sitting on your lap and then dropping a deuce and whittling on your lap. There's nothing worse. Well, no. Well, the, the worst, worse than that would be the elf who has to clean up. After exactly. Exactly. So, so anyway, the thing is, is that we're going to start off here by 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 uh, sharing with everybody what happened when Walt came in. Walt came in the door, and he and he handed me a dollar bill, and I was like, Walt, you don't have to pay me to be your friend. There's not enough money. <laughs> well, the, the the real thing is, it only costs a dollar. <laughs> and Walt. Showed me the back of the dollar bill. Coincidentally, right underneath the, 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 the picture of the pyramid, this Latin saying. But he shows me, we were talking about pyramids, right? The power of the pyramid. And, and on the top of the pyramid, you see this, the all-seeing eye. And underneath is a banner. And it says, Nuvis Ordo scrotum or something like that did we actually have the proper pronunciation uh, that's on latin that. okay go ahead novice ordo seclorum and the thing is is that walt said that he saw on gaia this gentleman talking about what does this saying mean and he well walt already had the answer and i looked it up and wouldn't you know it it, it one of the translations could be a new world order and if you actually type up this phrase that you see on the bottom, it's in Latin, on the bottom of the pyramid, on the back of the $1 bill. Novice Ordo Siclorum. 
that this can be translated into one world order. And a lot of things people would point at this and saying, this is the smoking gun. This is the evidence right in front of our face that we are being manipulated. And that people are saying, well, Eric, that sounds crazy. That sounds nuts. And then and there was a time in my life when I would have thought that, you know, that, yeah, that is, that does, that, 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 that does sound nuts. But after reading a handful of books, including The Creature from Jekyll Island, uh, Operation Paperclip, obviously, Rise of the Fourth Reich, and most recently, uh, this book called The Deep Government, talking about conspiracy theories and money and all like that. And the thing is, is that, well, where does, what, where does money come from? What's the purpose of money? I want to throw another book in there, too. It's called The Money Mafia. Yes. By uh, a guy named Tellier. Yeah. He, he was the uh, defense minister for, for Canada. He's, yeah. he's, he's pretty old now, but um, <clears throat> he was the guy that famously talked about the human race being impacted by alien sure. civilizations and, and UFO stuff, so... He's, he's got a lot of background in that sure. kind of mindset. And the thing is, is that a lot of people are going to say, well, Eric, I really don't believe in all these crazy conspiracy theories. Well, the thing is, is that you don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't believe it or not. There is a conspiracy going on. You can say you don't believe in the heliocentric model of the solar system. It doesn't matter. The, earth, the, the sun does not revolve around the earth. It's the other way around. And so the thing is, is that and this, we can also dial it back to a couple of years ago, 2008. And I'm sure everybody can remember where they were in 2008. And the thing is, is that what happened in 2008? We're talking about the economic collapse, allegedly, and the wholesale buyout of the federal government through the Treasury and through the Federal Reserve to take controlling interest of, first, the automotive industry, because... Ford, Chrysler, and General Motors collapsed horribly because of just horrible sales. And I knew that there was something wrong when back in 2006 and 2007, I was really close to somebody who was working at a dealership in a, in a neighboring town. And we were just talking about the artificial inflation, the price of the cars. And he said, you know all about the secondary lots, don't you? And I said, no, I don't know. What are you talking about with secondary lots? Well, the thing is, is that all of these other car dealerships, the inventory that you see on the lot is not the entire inventory. That's not even a fraction of the in inventory. There are literally hundreds, if not thousands of cars in these hidden lots all over the county and all over, all over. Whereas the car dealerships will just send you cars. Whether or not you can sell them or not is irrelevant. Right. The, the manufacturers. The manufacturers yeah. will send the dealerships cars, and whether they can sell them or not is irrelevant. There are out there, there are acres and acres of 2006 and 2007s and 2008s, just go on and on and on, ad for an item, of, of Ford, GM, and Chrysler cars. Well, why do they do that, though? That's... Why do they do that? Why do they do that? Why do they do that? Well, the <clears throat> thing is, is that the car manufacturers and all of their subsidies and they have to make cars. It's just the, it's just to keep manufacturing moving, to keep the economy moving. Right. You have to make cars, mm -hmm. whether or not anybody's <clears throat> buying them is irrelevant. It's called growth. It's called growth. Right. And the thing is, is that we're not just talking about cars. We're talking about the people who make the parts that go into making the cars. You right. need to keep those people afloat. Right. You have to keep the manufacturers, the part manufacturers, 
the paint manufacturers, the seat manufacturers, the interior manufacturers. You have to keep all those people in business because during the 2006-2007 years, we have been told that the automotive industry was too big to fail. We could not afford to allow the three major auto manufacturers to fail because of the economic repercussions. So what did we do? What did George W. Bush do that was so awful, Walt? What did he do? What did he do when, with all of this too big to fail nonsense about the, the, the car manufacturers? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer to that. He bailed them out. We bailed out these car manufacturers because... I thought Obama did that. Obama, to a, to a large extent as well. But, but the thing is, George Bush I mean, gave Obama, them... Obama inherited that from, right. from Bush, that but whole situation. And, and you remember when we were talking about quantitative easing number one, quantitative easing number two, the quantitative easing started under George W. Bush. Remember when everybody got those crazy checks for $1,200 right, and, you were, pump up the economy, and you were told supposedly. to go out and spend right. this weekend to elevate the country? Right. Well, the thing is, is that, so where did all these quantitative easings come from? Came from the Treasury and the Federal Reserve. And hey, Eric, I just remembered where I was in 2008. Where? I was under my townhome in Florida with my leg feet curling up. <laughs> <laughs> well... Before before we get too deeply into this, what, <clears throat> what you're really talking about is inflation. We're talking about inflation. That's a part of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's 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 a part of it. But let, let's let's back up a little bit. I think to to get a get a real handle on 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 money. Okay. And what money really is. Right. Uh, what everything you're saying is is perfectly true. Perfectly true. But but there there was a series of steps that led up to that kind of thinking. Sure. Um, going back to, and, and I'm going to coerce Eric into using um, a song by one of my favorite artists who's unfortunately no longer with us, but Dan Fogelberg, Power of Gold. Sure. Um, which, which says a lot in the, in the lyrics, when, as you'll hear when, he, when sure. he plays that, or actually it's going to be before the segment, I think. But at any rate, <clears throat> gold was the, was the original, um, actually that's not even true. The, the original medium of exchange were, was goods. And bartering. Right, bartering. Whereas if um, Eric has chickens and I, and I grow corn, we would, you know, he might exchange one chicken for a, for a bushel of corn or whatever. And, sure. and then, um, you know, we'd, we'd both be happy. We were both given, you know, what we considered equal value and, and everything was cool. However, what, what started to happen as a result of that is people realize that Eric realizes that he can't carry his chickens wherever he goes. Um, you know, it's a, it's a little problematic. Mm -hmm. so, so what he does is he, he goes to, say, a market and, and the, uh, <clears throat> there's somebody selling cloth there. So he can, you know, he can bring some cloth home to his, to his lovely wife and, and get her to make a dress and, and make her happy. Um, however, he doesn't have his chickens with him. So, so what does he do? What does he do? He gives the guy that's selling the cloth uh, a certificate that says he can come to his farm and get a chicken for that for that bolt of cloth or whatever it is he got. So, okay, so he. So the, I have the, an IOU. The, so, so the guy has a sort, yeah, sort of a promissory note, I guess you could say. Sure. So at some point, um, you know, he's going to make good on that. Come to the guy's farm and, and get his chicken, and everything's even. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, at some point, the guy that sells the chickens, who I guess is Eric says, you know, well, you know, this guy's not coming to get his chicken right away. So maybe I can give a note to somebody else to get a chicken. And that way I'll get more, more things. And, and, you know, I still haven't really had to cash in any chickens. 
And, and that's really how the whole currency thing got rolling. Um, and then at some point, I think it was in the 1600s, uh, the, the Medici family, who, who were important ba European Italian mm -hmm. bankers, um, decided that gold was a good way to, um, you know, to, to back this, this, this currency, this, this newfound way of, you know, gold exchanging coins. things. Gold coins in various sizes and shapes. Right. So, ironically, um, the first people to um, orchestrate this thing were goldsmiths. Of, now, cool. of now, course. Of course. Well, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Gold, goldsmiths were the people who made gold jewelry and those kinds of things. But the reason why that was was they had these really heavy-duty safes that they could keep their gold in. Mm -hmm. So they decided, people decided, the wealthy people decided that they would take their gold to the goldsmith, put it in their safe for safekeeping, um, and the goldsmith would give them a sort of a, a note saying that they had taken their gold. Or right? certificate of deposit. Right. And at some point, those certificates were recognized as being good for, for, you know, for buying things with. It's where the phrase, um, as good as gold, you came got it. from. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's where that phrase comes from. So, uh, <clears throat> so that's where the whole monetary system got rolling in terms of sure. you know, just not giving one thing and getting something else. That's 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 how it was for you know, for ages, for eons, I guess. For ages, right? So at some point, that system started to change into uh, from coins, which were a little cumbersome to carry around, sure, uh, to paper money, which is you know essentially a, a certificate saying that this is good for X amount of value, sure, um, which became fiat currency. Well, that's down the line. Yeah, okay. That's that's further down the line. Okay. But but what what really the big change was when when the exchange became no longer services or goods, it it became just trading money, money for money. That's when the, that's when it really that's when you're talking about the the fiat currency started taking over. Right. And, and what that essentially is is when money is printed um, with no real backing. Right. Nothing backing it. Not because it, something no. else happened around this time, okay, around ahead. the 16, 17, 1800s, okay. whereas where we came up with the idea of fractional reserve banking. Mm. Okay. That's another big thing. All yeah. right. This is where, and this is where things really get off the rails. Right. Whereas. You want, you want to explain to the listeners what that is? Because a lot of people may not. Okay. May not know what that is. I have $100,000 mm -hmm. and I go to the bank, Walt's the banker. Okay, and I deposit my $100,000 into Walt's bank and for safekeeping with the understanding that I would earn some interest so Walt can use my money to loan to other people. And make more money. And make more money. Right. And Walt has, now Walt has my $100,000, okay? And now Walt, with fractional reserve banking, and this sounds really crazy, and it and it's... It sounds, it's so backwards. And if you look at it logically, it falls apart really quickly. But it's because with this clever maneuvering, this is where the things get really interesting. So Walt is able to go out and he's able to make loans to other people using his own bank notes, whereas he can wire transfer or whatever, give this piece of paper on, on bank stationery that says, Here's a loan for $100,000 to nine other people. 
But the thing is, is that he's able to make nine other loans for $100,000 to other people based on the fact that when those people make those loans after the first month, Walt is going to have enough money to cover my $100,000. Makes no mm-hmm. sense at all. So, so the, the real essence of it is, is that in order to make the loans on that, <clears throat> on that initial $100,000, you only have to have 10% of that. Saved. Right. So you That's have to. So you can. You can't use ten um, percent of that hundred thousand dollars. Right. You have to that keep that in to, reserve. That's the rule. The fraction. The fractional rule. Right. However, you can make loans um, on money that you, you really don't have. You don't have. You just have to have that thousand dollars or whatever it is. Sure. Can I and, add? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead. In the program notes. You might want to turn people onto the movie Thrive because it talks about that very, very succinctly in an easy to understand fashion. Mm-hmm. Right. But this is the metaphysical connection. We do things backwards. So <laughs> so the thing is, is that now what now, God forbid, whatever happens, if I go to Walt and something awful happens, like, let's just say not like this could ever happen. But my wife hits a deer and my my hood and my trim in front of by the radiator is ruined. And I need one hundred thousand dollars to replace the parts that were broken on the flex. And I have to give money back to the state of Massachusetts to replace the deer that she accidentally killed. I'm just an exaggeration. Obviously, it's not going to cost $100,000, but just to get the point. Now, the thing is, is that Walt doesn't have my $100,000. My $100,000, and this is perfectly displayed in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, where the show takes its name from. Whereas, well, but my, but he doesn't have my $100,000. It's in Wally's house and it's in George's house. It's been invested. It's been invested. And Walt doesn't have that. And I say, Walt, you don't understand. I need my money now. There's this thing called the FDIC, which is able, which is, it's the government insurance that will give me back my money. But now, wait a minute. What Walt doesn't know is that I use my certificate of of deposit as leverage towards other investments. So that as soon as I pull out my $100,000, I have made money because I have the certificate of deposit that I used as collateral for something else. Right. And, you, and, and it doesn't take a long time to imagine. You have this entire web of loans and income coming in based on money that really doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. What exists is the promise or the idea of future income. Right, well, get, getting back to, to make it much more simple, getting back to the idea of the guy selling chickens and, and giving out certificates that represent a chicken. Well, at some point he starts saying, um, well, you know what, if, if I start giving certificates out for chickens that haven't even hatched yet, a, a lot of these people aren't gonna, they're not gonna all come at once to get their chicken. You know, so so I'm going to be getting things based on these certificates that I'm giving out to people on chickens that, you know, that don't even exist yet on the on the theory that not everybody's going to come the same day and get their chicken. You hope so, not. Well, you hope not. And, and that's really the what the premise of banking is, is that everybody's not going to come and get their money on the same day. And you so you're loaning out and, and you're making, you know, in some cases, exorbitant amounts of money on on money that you're loaning that you really don't even have. Exactly, and that's a nice little that's a nice little game. And that's literally counting <clears throat> your chickens before you hatch, because you are banking on the notion. That's maybe where that idea comes from. You're banking on the notion 
that everything is going to remain the status quo. Right. Nobody is going right. to want to pull their money out prematurely, and there's not going to be any economical or ecological disaster. Whereas, like, what if there's a sudden famine and there's no, no meat to put on the table? Now people are going to come to me with their certificates of, of, of deposit for mm -hmm. the chickens that I don't even have yet. Right. Okay. So now, now the, 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 the thing that really, when it really gets interesting is that initially, initially currency was not, um, was not, it wasn't like, not like a national currency. There wasn't, you know, it was more kind of state by state. They had sure, um, and and that actually works better because it's it's the the medium of exchange is really based on goods and services. Um, it's really a dollar for a for a whatever you know for for whatever sure. it is you're buying. There's a, there's an equivalency there, and it's based on um, local needs. It's based on local yeah, needs yeah. and and, mm -hmm. and the material available in the region. Right, and there's a term for that. That's called complementary currency, um, and and that actually works much better because it's it's more localized and it's more specific, and it mm -hmm. actually has something. I mean, the, the real idea behind um, currency is initially was that it was uh, a way a vehicle for transactions to take place. Uh, and now it's gotten to the point where it's a vehicle in itself. You know, it's just, it's money for money. And that's where it really turned over. And at some point, we, even when we had federal currency, it was on a gold standard. Which is so, really important. Right. So so that every dollar that was printed had a dollar of gold behind right. it. Um, now, do you know who the person was that, that stopped that? Uh, the person who put the final nail in the coffin of the of the gold standard yes it couldn't happen to have been richard nixon it certainly was what 1971 he did it. 1971 and so that sort of opened up the door to you know all all sorts of nonsense right right um now going back to um i do have to interject mm, one thing okay, really quick though go ahead because the thing is is that it was not always gold it was silver and gold silver right. but sil silver certificate but the thing is is it's because silver retained its value was not volatile because the silver was had a steady value where gold on the other hand the value of gold goes up and down because people look at tangible gold as the insurance for whatever happens and the thing is when times are when times are good people hoard their gold and the value of gold goes up but in times of recession or depression the value of gold actually tanks because all of a sudden the, the market is flooded with all of these people who have used gold for everything for a rate of exchange. Mm -hmm. Silver, on the other hand, silver doesn't have that volatility. And there was a long time that the government backed the government. Everything was backed in silver certificates. And gold was kept in a place called Fort Knox of all places, which is, which is the gold reserve that, that Richard Nixon got us off. And now the question is, is there really any gold left at, at Fort Knox? But that's, that's for something later yeah, on. Yeah, that's another show. Um, so, you know, it, it's, this brings up another whole interesting uh, sideline, I guess, on this whole story. Um, wh why is gold valued so much? Wh where does that come from? I, I mean, are you asking me for my opinion or are you asking me for historical facts? Because mm, I can I'm give just, you both. Um, I don't know, Jim. What you have any input on that? Why why is gold considered um, such a valued commodity? Um, it's a good question. I guess 
perhaps scarcity, supply and demand, um, or maybe it goes farther back than that. Um, didn't uh, was it Gardner that came up with the fact that the, they used uh, monoatomic gold? They used to ingest it to achieve higher states of consciousness in uh, ancient times. That's that was very, only, it that has, only the royalty had access to it. That was, that was an alchemical uh, thing, I think. That they, it's they, a very <clears throat> useful metal. It's a very <clears throat> useful metal, and the thing is that it was des it's, it's desired by so many cultures. But why is that? Well, let, let's go why, back for Why is that? For, the original uses for it. Let's, well, let's bring in the ancient aliens. I mean, supposedly... The, the, the Anunnaki ah. before Walt does need a belly. Down, <laughs> they, they I knew it. You, pre you preempted me. <laughs> we should change it to the Anunnaki show. <laughs> you knew. I, you knew I was getting to Anunnaki. <laughs> the Anunnaki connection. I had to jump you, Walt. I had to uh, jump. You. That's why I brought you in, kind of, because Eric usually starts vibrating when I bring the Anunnaki. I start. <laughs> I start vibrating on a higher spiritual level. But supposedly the 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 Anunnaki came to Earth to to mine gold. And, and that's yeah. that's how we were created as a species, to to be there to mine to, the gold. to be their slave miners. Actually, is what it comes down to. Right. Um, so that was yeah, that was kind of where I was getting to to with that. So I th I think that's one of the reasons why gold has become sort of the standard, the gold standard of, of value for people. Sure. You know, and and when you look at this, this is another point now, kind of bringing up bringing up more uh, closer to. To current times is that you know gold is cross-cultural it's 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 across the board everybody know, the, values gold the the, the 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 mesoamerican cultures had gold as they're you know as using for their idols and it's it's really throughout the whole planet the egyptians used it so so it brings in that whole question of um diffusionism versus um you know, where 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 cultures are cross were cross hibernated or, or however you want to look at it. It's it's the standard or it's the line of thought that archaeologists don't wanna don't want to address. That they, they like to think that um, everything just kind of sprouted Spon up and spontaneously cropped up all right, by and slowly. Right. And they just happened to, and all of these cultures just happened to think gold was was the you know, the highest standard of things that there could be. So that again is another is, so, is more proof, I think, for, for diffusion. So if you follow this line of thinking <clears throat> that because everybody values gold as such a high commodity, that is proof that there was once upon a time a global network, a global society here on Earth right. that valued gold because it was the perfect exchange rate and it has various uses. But the thing is, is that it's just it's it's valued by somebody and it's valued by everybody. So let's just Perhaps make that its original value was technological. Yes, that's so exactly. It's a high melting point. It's a great conductor. It doesn't rust. It's, you know, and it, if you look at um, South America, the Egypt, the uh, Incas, and the Aztecs, I mean, they had so much gold, they adorned their buildings with it. So, and they didn't really va value it as uh, as the greedy uh, Spaniards that came in to, to to steal it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that brings up another whole point about Columbus. Um, Columbus, you know, the, the mindset on Columbus, there's there's a lot of misnomers about him. First of all, being the, the biggest one being that he discovered America. He really didn't. There was there was a lot of people that were here before him. Um, but but he apparently um, knew exactly where he was going and what he was going for. Um, he he had a lot of debt 
and the, the king and queen of Spain had a lot of debt. So his, his real intention for coming to the New World was to get gold. Now, you know, he, he, there was, there was a, a big story about him thinking he was, gonna, he was going to the Orient to, you know, to get a trade route with, with the East and that kind of thing. And that, that's not really true. What he was really come, at least from what I've come to learn, is that he was coming over here to get gold. Was, and, yeah. then, and then the guys that followed him, um, Pizarro and Cortez, you know, they, they definitely had, had gold in their eyes. Exactly. They were looking for the city of gold and, and all those things. So gold has, has really been the, um, the standard for greed, I guess. Exactly. You know, for, throughout the ages. Yeah. You know? um, and, and it's no different today than, I think. No, I mean, you know, it, it's, it, it's just it, a different form. Exactly. Right? But the thing is, is that th with all this fractional reserve banking and fiat currency with the promise of future income, Coming why, in. why don't you explain what fiat currency is? There may fiat, be some people out there okay, that don't know. Fiat currency is, it's literally, it's... It's it's not money that's put in an Italian sports car and driven around. No, it, it is, the, because the thing is, is that the dollar bill here... Yeah, you're supposed to laugh at that, Jim. The, 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 the dollar bill has no real value. It's... It's made out of it's made out of paper. It's made out of cotton, and it has heavy ink on it, and it's it has elaborate patterns on it. But the thing is, is that it was just like if you were to present this piece of paper to an alien from another planet, how would he know that it has any value? We are taught at a very early age that this piece of paper has has value for whatever reason. Well, because you can go to the store and I get, you can buy go to the store. It. Everybody is in agreement. Everybody within the sound of my voice is in agreement that these funny, this funny pieces of paper has value, mm -hmm. and it's no well, different. How it, would people uh, snort their cocaine and heroin? Well, you use a glass true. straw like that's, the rest of us. That's a good point. That's so lowbrow. Use a glass straw <laughs> like the rest of us. So, but the, but the issue here is that we are trained at a very early age to believe that these pieces of paper are as good as gold. And, but the thing is, is that we have a, a, a treasury and a federal reserve that is printing out all of this money to make up for the fractional reserve banking that I that I that I talked about and we have all the, these institutions that as a means of them getting power like for example like Ford and Chrysler and and uh, GM buying up all these other smaller car companies to the point where they became what too big to fail a couple of years later we heard this mantra again too big to fail because during the Clinton administration, under pressure of all of these other, the Alan Greenspan and all of these people on Wall, on, on Wall Street, all of these banks merged together to form banks that were what? Too big to fail. Well, it also gives them a monopoly on the market. Gives them a monopoly you know, on the market. If, if General Motors buys up all the, all the companies that are competing with them, then that that eliminates the, the number of products that people have as an sure. option when they go to buy a car. So it, it also kind of allows them to lower the standards of, of what they're producing right. because they have no competition. They don't, they, you know, they don't have a little car company you know, that's producing 10,000 cars a year. That's, Schnabelmobiles. That's, that's, yeah, right. that's, that's putting out 
you know, a really good product um, that competes with them, and people might want to buy that instead of the, you know, a General Motors or a Ford. So, so they what do they do? They snap them up and they go, boom, they, they're they, gone. They, they, they you know, gobble. That, that them happened up. to a lot of the cars like Hudson and those kinds of cars right. that got just eliminated from from the marketplace because they were, you know. But we have, the, but we have this illusion of choice. If you want to buy an American-made car, which really isn't even made in America anymore, you have Chrysler, Ford, and GM. You have the illusion of choice. But meanwhile, the people who own these companies, they're all friends, and then they manufacture this notion of how much a car should really be worth to cover their costs and their profits while they're building cars that are actually hiding somewhere in a lot that you don't even get to well, see. Well, that's the whole, the whole idea of cornering the market. They, that's can, all. they can all get together and agree on a, a, a bottom line price so that sure. somebody doesn't undercut them. Did you, you know, guys, <clears throat> excuse me, did you guys pick up uh, the article uh, that was posted that uh, Apple wants to uh, become the catalyst for taking cash out of the system, going to a cashless society, and somehow they're linking it to their research and development program that they're starting in Japan, all all hush-hush. I don't know how the two link, but they're, they're, they want to move towards a cashless society. Well, that's where we're going. That's, that's, where, where, that's, that's, where, that's, that's where we're that's moving. We're moving, we're moving in that direction. You're getting, you're getting ahead. Uh, but, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. okay. No, that's, that's a very valid point because, you know, at some point um, – this this fiat currency, as as Eric's been referring to, is um, too cumbersome. It's too it's there's just too much of it. It's too hard to to deal with. It's too hard to deal because with because what they do is they just keep printing money and printing money, and um, there's no real basis for it. So you know that's that's really what the right. Federal Reserve is. Let, let's get into the Federal Reserve a little bit and and, and, and talk and, about and that. Luke, I know and, you, you just finished the book and you the, referenced the, it. The, the, the creature from Jekyll Island. Right. Well, and, the thing is, is that and I'm kind of doing this backwards because I'm, I'm showing you all of these pro these problems that, we, that we're facing right now. Right. We're dealing with all of these institutions, banks, automotive manufacturers, and every time we turn around, there's some, there's like the, next is going to be the insurance companies or the stock brokers. Well, they're all tied together. It's they're all, all tied, tied together. together. And then every time that we turn around, we are being told we cannot afford to let these institutions fail because they're too big to fail. And, and so the thing is, is it goes, and it, all of this has been manufactured back in this place called Jekyll Island back at the turn of the century. And it was signed into law by Woodrow Wilson at the dawn of World War I. The entire notion is is that we have tried time and again to have the first United Bank of the United States, and we tried it twice, and they both failed miserably, because the idea of this bank, which was which eventually to to grow wealth for maybe the one percent, whatever you want to call them, they were printing out these certificates, these certificates of deposit, and these treasury notes, and these bonds on the promise of, 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 of future income. And somebody had come up with the idea of, let's, put, let's, let's loan the government the money to take care of crises like World War I. Whereas, how are you going to pay for the beans and bombs to fight World War I? We're gonna have a central bank that's going to loan you and you'll be able to pay it back sometime in the near future. Don't worry. It's good with us. But the thing is, is that as the loan matures 
And as you get closer and closer to the payoff date, another crisis occurs. Whether it's the you know it's the bond market, it's the stocks and bond markets and in the nineteen twenties. They're all artificially induced. And then and then you have a situation that we talked about earlier in in, in earlier shows, World War One or World War Two, where it's we there's a monster that we accidentally created by building up Germany after the fall of Germany and after the Treaty of Versailles and uh, punitive damages that we inflicted on this country, which gave the rise to fascism and these people who are angry saying, well, it's, it's all of these bad people over there that made us lose. So then we had to borrow more money to fight World War II. Now, so the thing is, is that we keep renewing the loan from the Federal Reserve. Right, and, and you have to make the point that the Federal Reserve is not federal. And it's not it's a, a it's reserve. A, it's a very clever way of uh, position and I thought for a long time, oh, Federal Reserve, it's connected to the government. Well, it's not a part of the government; it's a private banking in, uh, entity. No, they choose. They chose that name. No, they, they chose it people. wisely. Yeah, because a lot of people probably think, oh, Federal Reserve, it's part of the government. That's, no, it's clever. It was clever. Um, so, so what these guys did, and, and we're talking about all of the rich power brokers at the time, the Rockefellers and. J.P. Morgan. Morgan, all those guys, they, they got together in, in a place called uh, Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia. Yep. And they set up this, basically, it's a scam. Yeah. Essentially. With the Rothschilds. Mm, well, well, they were the they were the primary. They were, they were the primary they were, people the primary who had movers behind it. For yeah. years and years, they have been trying to get a central bank here in the United States. Right. And the thing is, is that they will give all the fun, funny money that they can possibly print to, and they don't even care about the principal because... The principle, forget about the principle. The, all, they're, all they're interested in is the interest that they earn off of these loans right. and the servicing of the yeah, debt. The, 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 the primary is just, just numbers anyway. It doesn't even really exist probably no. in some sense. It's, yeah. it's all electronic transfers. Yeah. Like when you, when you get a loan um, you know, for, for your car set, you know, you, you're taking out a twenty thousand dollar loan, say. You think? You well, think. you think it's it's just numbers. It's just you know. Yeah. It's a two and, and a whole bunch of zeros. It doesn't. It just moves from one place to another. There's no, no real actual money behind it. No. You know, so it's 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 all a scam, really. It the really is. is a scam. And um, what what it does is what it's what it's geared to do, is to gain control through debt. It's all about debt. Debt equals right. debt equals money, and and that's really the essence of this show. I think, yeah, where we're going, it's perpetual debt. Is is that Americans? And, and it brings up the point you made, Jim, earlier about yeah. student loans. You know, it's it's having people, young people now, are starting their lives out immersed in debt. Oh well, of course. You know, so then, well, not only do you have to pay your student loan back, but you have to get a car, you know, and you have to get a house. And, you know, you have to then get whatever you think it takes to make you look successful or be successful. Sure. And pretty soon, you know, you, you have more debt than you have income. And, you know, where do you go from there? Not not very far. And Six feet under. It, yeah. it, and it keeps going on and on and on mm -hmm. until, unless, of course, you're smart and, and you live within your means. But here's here's the notion that gets bankers really excited, whether it's the bankers at the corner a savings and loan, or whether or not it's the, the it's the automotive financial company that backs your loan, because the thing is, is that when you're a young man and you go and you you lease a car, they get really excited with you leasing a car 
Because the thing is, is that you lease a car for five years. After the end of four years, they will do anything to get you back in. We're going to give you money on, on your existing lease and get you into another lease. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you don't ever own anything. Well, no, you know, of course not. They don't so care. Don't, so you don't really have any goods to show for however, you know, the $30,000 or whatever you put You lease the... a car for five <clears throat> years, and at right. the end of the four <clears throat> years, they will buy out the existing lease to get you into another for another five years, right. and at the end of so that four years... they're just perpetuating it. So meanwhile, they're raking in this money. While they have a glut of cars somewhere from all of these other leases and all the other cars that they're being shipped by the manufacturers. And the thing is, well, what are you going to do with these cars? So they look to the government for a bailout who will take those cars, strip them down to their base elements or whatever, or just leave them rot in the field or whatever. And the thing is, is that when there's a bailout, who pays for the bailout? When you say the government, the government, is, the the government right. where does the government adds get more the money? to our national debt? Where does the money come from, from, the, from the government? From the Federal Reserve. But where does the Federal Reserve get it? They get it through the IRS. Well, they make no, through they, our they, taxes. No, they make their own money. They, they make they their, create well, their own money. It's not. They don't get gov government money. They they make their own money. They make they, their own money, and yeah. we and we pay taxes to serve not on the principal. But the ever revolving, ever growing right. debt. I forget how many billion dollars a day it is now that the, the national debt just keeps rolling over. You know, it's, right? It's and it's, it's absurd, and it's growing exponentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And everything is to service, not the principal, but the ever growing debt. Right. With the end game as being the new world order, because the 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 debt is someday going to grow to be so big we can no longer service the debt and we default on all the loans when you hear politicians freaking out about defaulting on our loans meaning the treasury notes and the bonds that the government the federal reserve puts out into the market for other countries and other organizations to buy it's like this big huge giant deficit bubble and right now the the uh, the dollar is the international Standard. Everybody tr buys and trades. The, the, the currency of choice on the international market is the American dollar. But that's slowly being moved to other currency. Mm -hmm. For a well, while, it's losing its value. Everybody was, it's losing its value mm -hmm. because the thing is, is that it's like, it's like if I, if I have collector's items, like I, I know a buddy, a, a friend of mine used to create um, replicas of the Maltese Falcon prop. And he only created 250 of those. And those were the most sought out off after props for people like me to collect. But then he said that because there was a demand, he was going to print, he was going to create 250 more. That made the original 250 less valuable. Because instead of going on eBay and spending $200,000 for one of his, um, that's an exaggeration. But you can just go back to the original creator who's creating more. And it's like when you print more money. Well, you just described perfectly inflation. Inflation. That's what inflation is. That's exactly so what inflation is. When you print more money, the more money you print, the, the less value it has. Less, right. When I say value, I mean purchase power. You know, so, so the purchase power that our money has now is, is hugely 
um, diminished from where it was, say, 20 years ago. Exactly. So it costs you a whole lot more money to, you know, to buy a gallon of milk. $20 or, or was whatever. a big deal. Yeah. If you had $20 yeah. 40 years ago, that was a huge, that was a right. lot of money. Right. Now you you break a 20 and it's pretty much gone. You know, and now, gone. We're, now we're spending a $100 bill like it was $20 right. 40 years ago. And the thing is, is that there's going to come a time in the near future, unless unless the bubble bursts, which is the last big, huge bubble to burst, is the is the American debt. And a lot of people are saying, well, what's going to happen when the American dollar loses all of its value? We're, when, going, to, we're going to lose our autonomy is what's going to happen. We don't that, have that, any it's, autonomy it's, anymore. It's power. The, the, the real end game is power. Sure. Control. That's, that's really where it's all leading to. So the more debt we have, the less power and the less control we have. Just like on a personal base, personal level. Yeah. You know, the did more you debt you have, the less control you have. Go ahead, John. Appropriate to what you're talking about, did you have you followed what's happening in India? Oh, of course, uh, we have. India. Everything was a everything was done by cash, and they they estimated that because of that, they were losing eighty percent of their tax base. So they made an announcement that as such and such a date. All the currency would no longer be honored, and they had to like um, start accepting these new notes that the Indian government was going to print. Well, their timeline, of course, uh, didn't work out, and it's a big debacle there. People can't buy food, now nothing's working. It's like they almost brought the country to a standstill. So That's happening in other countries as well, because about 10 or 15 years ago, Brazil had a brisk... Um, a brisk economy with because the thing is that they did they they buckled everything down they switched to a brand new currency they buckled down there was no deficit spending whatsoever and then once that their economy got on its feet and started rolling people started to invest in you know brazil and brazil started to get a little bit too big for its britches it started to print out more funny money than they actually had and now brazil's economy is now in the tank Whereas, like, you look at, Rio, like, the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. People were in a panic because they didn't finish the Olympic Village in time because they didn't have the money to finish it. And people are living in poverty while we're building these beautiful stadiums, which is happening all over the country, here in the United States as well. Whereas to, uh, to divert people's attention to this endless spending, these endless wars that we're fighting, we're... To keep the American now, it's now it's not on the gold standard anymore. Now it's a petrodollar, and I'll get to that in a second. Where does the petrodollar come from? You can thank Nixon for this, because now because now it's sort of like among other things, right? And they said that one of the thing of the one of the things about um, um, you know scams and money pyramids is that at the time it, it, there comes a point where it's all about catering and showing off and impressing all of your friends and neighbors that you have all this money. We're, we're, we are fighting wars on the basis of being able to control the flow of petroleum and to impress the world that we are still a, a we're still a tyrant. We are still a, a, a military force to be reckoned with. We have a military that is 17 times larger than all of our allies put together. And why is that? Well, because we, you know, because we have to put on a show, put on a game to let everybody know that we are still the big kids on the block. Meanwhile, don't look at our backyard because our backyard is a third world country. Our bridges are falling apart. Our roads are falling apart because we're servicing this debt. We have this huge military and we're, and we're pouring all this money into these, like, these lavish sports stadiums. 
and you know what? Well, our infrastructure is falling apart, and but, why are we doing this? But if you if you go back to to the premise that um, currency really should represent goods and services, well, we don't really even produce goods and services anymore. All the a lot of the goods are produced out of the country, and even the services. You know, you 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 call up with a problem, you know, about your computer, and, and you get some guy in India that's you know. That you can barely understand that's that's trying to tell you how to fix your computer so everything's been outsourced so we really really produce very little anymore of goods and services no we, we consume a lot but that's you know that's a bad equation you know when, when you're consume you know growth is what the economy is based on and growth means producing uh, more we're, we're spending more actually right. is what it, what it comes down to <clears throat> so if you're spending more than you're producing or, or even servicing, then then you have a big problem, and and that's really what are, and, know, and, we're and we're buying. And I think that's what Trump got elected on. And actually, we're, and we're buying we're buying more goods and services from other countries that we used to believe were inferior, or countries that we. The big thing was, you know, back in the the sixties, seventies, and eighties, was buying Volkswagens because we went to war with Germany. And we rebuilt their economy, and we were buying Volkswagens well, and Toyotas, like this, and Toyotas. And Japanese car companies too. You know, and and the thing is, is that the best economic. I know, I know your father had a big problem with that, Jim. With you know, he 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 fought in the Pacific and and saw a whole bunch of people die around him, and and here we're we're buying products from the <laughs> from the from the exact country that you know that these all these guys die. You know, it's it just didn't make sense to him. You know, and it, and really, when you think about it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it still doesn't make sense. And the thing yeah. is, is that the best thing that any country can do for their people and their economy, as crazy and as sick as it sounds. Pick a fight with the United States. The, the United States will kick your ass. They'll downsize your population. And then we will move in factories for your people to work in. We're going to send John Wayne over there. We're going to send John Wayne to kick your ass. Send the Duke. And then, af <laughs> and, and then after this kabuki dance, we'll send in factories and we'll send in people on and, and teach, you, teach you the difference between right and wrong and teach you how to straighten out your economy. So you won't you won't pick a fight with America again. By the way, how do you like your Samsung there? How do you? But you know the the thing is, you used to say "Made in America." That was like a sign that it was good quality. You're you damn know? right. And the joke was "Made in Japan." Oh, it's made in Japan. I, you know, I was a kid. It was a, it was a standing joke. Oh, it's made in Japan. It's a piece of junk. You know. Now the whole yeah, thing it's is reversed. Re it's reversed. Yeah, the whole thing's reversed, which is you know, strange. But all this may be a moot point if robotics takes off in the next few decades. I know we're going to have a caste system with super wealthy on top robots doing the work and the rest of the population i don't know no we no because the thing is is that is that jim you you are you are behind the curve but that is already happening we are already starting to see a caste system we are starting to see a strict division between the haves and the have-nots we have the people who live in 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 the cities and they live in opulence they live in these beautiful you know you look at you look at bernie sanders somebody who says that you know he's he's you know for the power of the people and all like that the guy owns three homes he has a home in washington he has a home off the coast of of uh of lake champlain and he has a he has a house where he and his wife live near the university where she used to work and we and and these houses are worth more than you and i or walt will make uh, in 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 10 years so remember so soil and green is people <laughs> exactly so what's going to happen to the excess population well i mean we're starting to see that now i mean we, we're seeing 
where where is the allergy for gluten coming from, Walt? Where is that coming from? And you look at what what is what's being done to the food supply, and we look at I mean we look at like what's happening. Where does where is autism coming from? How come like yeah, I think we're getting a little off topic. Here, we're getting but, a lot off topic. But, um, but what's the get, end game? Get, well, getting back to the money system, um, you know, we, you talk about caste systems. Well, the caste systems are really being created by debt. Uh, you know, the more debt you incur, the, the eventually it's going to, you know, sink you down the food chain because you're going to have less. And I, I was watching a, um, a documentary about money um, in preparation for this. And they're, they're, like, for example, there was a woman on there that had had accrued forty two thousand dollars in credit card debt. Now, now, how do you do that? You know, how do you get forty two thousand dollars on a piece of plastic? You know, you have to have bought a lot of crap that you don't need to the point where you couldn't pay for it anymore. And then, you know, with the, with the ridiculous interest rates that they charge you on credit cards, um, you know, it just keeps it just keeps rolling over and rolling over and rolling over to the point where, you know, she said that that notion that she owed forty two thousand dollars that she knew she had absolutely no way of paying back dominated her life. It ruled her life. She couldn't yeah. sleep. She could, you know, and, and that's what people do. And and they do it because they're sold a bill of goods by by the media, by, you know, everything that says that unless you have this, this, and this, you're less than. You know, you're, you're not as good as somebody that has a BMW or a, or a McMansion or, or whatever. So people are constantly striving to, to reach that standard, which with the amount of earning ability they have they're never going to get there the dumbest the <clears throat> dumbest thing people do and i'm telling you and i and i am no different i am i'm right along and i know that i know this is stupid the dumbest thing you can do is watch television with all the commercials and they convince you if you're going if you're going to be a modern hip and with it man you need to buy this you need to drive this Ford. If you want to be a real man, you need to drive a real Ford truck. If you want to get a woman, you need to use Axe body spray. If if you want to look like you're worth a million bucks, you got to buy this suit from Brooks Brothers. And it's the constant bum, huh? Bespoke. Bespoke. You need and 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 they and they and they got you. And they use it by marketing. And they figure out what's your what's your ist or what's your ism. And they want to know exactly what kind of person you are and that they use the marketing, whether it's whether it's Google or whether it's Apple, Facebook, Twitter, they market everything towards you. They find out what your thing is and they market everything towards you based on the cookies that you have on the sites that you've seen on 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 Facebook. And the thing is, is that and here's the thing. Banks also make money by making loans because Capital One wants to give me a brand new credit card with a credit line of $5,000. That's just a drop in the well. well it's, it's an enticement to go out and spend that money that you don't have. Right. That's, that's so, what it really, really comes down so to. So if I burn through that credit card mm. for $5,000, they're going to get that money back by hook or by crook. They're either going to get it through me by paying off the interest over the next 20 or 30 years of my life, or if I default, they will go with hat in hand to... The, go to Congress saying, well, we have these deadbeats, we have this debt, we need this debt written off. So they will, so Congress will pass a bill that will borrow more money, that the, the, the Federal Reserve will print stocks and bonds and treasury notes 
to sell on the global market, somewhere or another, they're store, they're going somehow they are going to get somebody to pay for that debt. Right, and and at the end of the day, the five thousand dollars doesn't really exist anyway. So yeah, according to what we've been saying, but but um, you know, we're we're coming up on a season where where people really start to um, overextend their their financial well you have to if you're for, a good parent if you're a good american well that's that's the bill of goods that's sold to everybody is that you know you have to buy something for you know every person that ever like said hi to you you know you have to go to walmart or somewhere and hi. buy uh, <laughs> what do you want jim <laughs> you know go to go to walmart and buy a pile of cash uh an apple pie every month Let's see what else. The pie is that the pie of the month club? Is that he wants to be a yeah, member of the pie? Of the month club. Like in the in the um, National Lampoon. Yeah, Christmas but the thing is, is you know, jelly of the month club. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just going to interject here, Jim. That it's like if you want a pile, why would you want a pile of cash when the value of that cash is going to diminish over time? Unless, of course, well, you invested in some pile of cash right now. I could spend it all. And then when it crashes, I still have the things. <laughs> you, well, yeah, unless of course there's a there's a natural you know a national emergency and everything has to be nah, liquidated I'm by just by Uncle I don't Sam. Want to pile of cash. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. To have my health. But but the what I, what I was getting to is is that people feel pressure and feel obligations to buy, you know, the best Christmas presents they can they can buy and you know try to get their kids the latest hoodoo whatever whatever the hell that latest is and. and to and, me Elmo. and and you know they go out on a financial limb to create an illusion of propriety right. and and being well to do and you know oh i can give my family a good christmas and blah 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 and what the, what does that really mean you know at the on december 26th you got a bunch of stuff in your house and a big ass pile of debt, a bigger pile of debt than you yeah, already have. Bigger. You know, don't forget the trash. So don't where's forget. the where's the you know where's the Christmas spirit there? You know. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. Well, in fact, I I can say I've honestly dropped out of all that gift giving and going into debt. You know what? I so would... that means I'm I'm not going to be getting anything from. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but but the but the idea is that. You know, we, we talk about Christmas and we talk about what it means and, and we're going to be getting to that in the, in the next couple shows. But but the whole thing is that people are just creating a, sense, a, a, a deeper hole for themselves by doing that. Yeah, and, and, they're, and they're really not any more, um, they're, not, they're not really any happier as a result of it. no, because it's, we're it's an illusion of happiness. Because I mean, he, here's here's a notion <clears throat> that strikes me as like remember remember in that episode of the Twilight Zone to serve man. Oh, how could I forget? And these oh, and these the aliens come down and says, "What what's your purpose? To serve man." And then here's a book, and it's written in some alien language right. maybe it's the anunnaki wrote it yeah it could be and <laughs> and and the thing is is that it was just like probably had gold binding right and the <laughs> thing is is that the 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 protagonist in the story like translated it's a, it's a cookbook it's a cookbook and if you were to actually like look in on the back of the note and you look at some of this it's like we are being enslaved by these little pieces of paper and buying things that we're told well there's a new iphone and, coming and, out and to make matters worse they're they're telling you that they're doing it. 
Oh yeah, they, yeah. It's written right on the on the bill. Exactly. You know? and, and, it's and, like a clear message, but and, nobody listens. Nobody and, hears and, it. And the th- and the thing is, is that you you are convinced. And I was I was at Kohl's, shopping with my wife, and there was just this this picture of it was just this picture well, of a pair of jeans. Would you, would you be called a coal miner? Yeah, I was. And the thing <laughs> is, is it, and there was a sign that it all said was Jennifer Lopez, and Jennifer Lopez is like doing one of those provocative. <gasps> poses right. and, and the thing is is that oh, i can be just like jennifer lopez well, there, if there's, I... that, there's the message yeah and then on the men's side you have you have uh mark anthony and it was just like mark anthony from shakespeare <laughs> oh wow no other mark anthony eric you idiot and the thing is is that this suave the suave sophisticated guy who likes to bang chicks and leave them for another chick that they're going to bang later on you want to be like Mark Anthony, and you want to buy his line of clothing so you can look sophisticated. Well, it's, it's an illusion. It's an illusion that's created, and, and people buy into it. They think, well, you know, if I if I get those jeans, boy, you know, I'm, I'm going to look a little bit more like that guy, or or, right. or that pair of shoes, or or whatever it is. It's 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 selling you the illusion of some kind of an image that you're probably never going to be anyway. People, so so you keep your Fifty or hundred dollars in your pocket, and and buy a pair of you know functional shoes or something for thirty dollars. Sure. And you're seventy dollars to the good because you ain't gonna look like that guy anyway, regardless of what kind of shoes you have on. You know. So there's there's the illusion that we're. Can I play that we're I, I got a question while we're talking about money. Sure. Well, I don't mean to pull off the topic, but it's. Kind you're gonna of on you're the gonna topic. tell us about the time you dated J Lo. Is that? Go, uh, go ahead, Joe. Who, who didn't? I'm just, I'm just being an idiot. No. Go, go ahead. No. Um, when they did the bailout, I think it was like a $700 billion bailout. And I look at the billions they still give away around the world. I often wondered um, why there wasn't logic in giving every family in America a million dollars to jumpstart the economy back in 2008. I mean, what would it cost them? Like three hundred, three hundred fifty million, which is nothing. I, I, am I missing something? I thought that was a great idea, but uh, wow, it didn't get any traction with anybody. Wow, how, how, how dumb do we have to be to ask a question like that? What are you? <laughs> what are you? A trekkie? What did you? What did your congressman say to that, Jim? Oh yeah, we'll consider I, that. No, I'm <laughs> just saying to you guys. I'm no, I, I know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's a great idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something, and this is gonna be controversial, and this is gonna blow your mind, and you're gonna sit I'm back, and you're gonna, and you're gonna ask yourself, how come I didn't think of that, Jim, Walt? They don't give a. Sh- they don't give a wooden nickel to. you. They don't care about you. They do not care. The politicians do not care about you. Donald Trump doesn't care about you. Hillary Clinton doesn't care about you. Bernie Sanders doesn't care about you. Barack Obama, now that he's leaving office, Barack Obama doesn't care. You could drown tomorrow in a horrible school bus accident with a whole bunch I, of other, uh, uh, a whole bunch of I, other I homeless know, orphans. I'm aware of that, but I'm talking about just the idea itself in isolation. I just thought it would have worked if they, you know. What, yeah, I mean, it, it would, it would have worked, which, what, which is why they didn't do it. What? Okay. But what's I'm in sure. it? What's in it for them to give you a million dollars? They would rather it's, have you enslaved in debt 
There you go. Because the, the thing is, the if, political system is not set up to to benefit the American people. It's set up to benefit the banks, which are at the top of the heap, and and all the big corporations, and and the politicians are just minions of of all of those interests. They're they're not they're not sent to Washington to serve us. They they don't they don't like Eric says. You know they they don't care, they don't about, care about the you. average. Average American, that, they, they could that, tell us. That brings you back to the <clears throat> core of your show today, money and debt and enslavement. Exactly. Really, they just want us enslaved. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. And, and when we, you know, when you go out at Christmas time and you overextend your credit card or whatever you do to get the things that you think are going to make your Christmas happy, you're playing right into that game. That's you're, exactly you're, you're, it. You're doing exactly what those people want you to do. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't buy presents for people. That's that's you know that's the other extreme. That's absurd. But um, you know, you don't have to go out and get huge ticket items to make for a joyous Christmas. I guess that's really the bottom yeah. line. And all you're really doing it's is a financial digging. feudal system. You know, the only thing missing are the knights riding down, destroying your village. You are one because the thing is, is that the two of you are missing a big, huge point about why are you told to spend so much at Christmas? Because all the retail outlets that are servicing other debt, they need that extra infusion of cash to pay off. Perfect example, Sears. Sears is a fine example. Sears is slowly slipping into debt, but they need you to come in in December and buy a ton of shit that you don't need on credit so that they can pay for the mall space and to pay for the overhead and the inventory that they have so they can perpetuate the crap for another 11 months. You need to get to the you need to get to the store and leverage your future labor. Well, yeah, that, that Christmas is the is the financial tipping point for most retailers. That's that's if where If you they, don't have a good Christmas. Right, that's that's where they make or break their their year, so to speak, whether they go in the red or in the if black. If you don't spend enough so, at money at Sears, so whose fault is that? You know, is that our fault? So we should go out and how, how like spend more money so well, that they yeah. can stay sick. You know, I, I don't care whether Sears. Aren't, you know, I, I don't think I've bought anything at Sears for numerous years anyway. So to me, it doesn't really matter. Whether, Walt Schnabel, are you go out of business? Walt Schnabel, how I thought you were a good American. I thought you were a good American. It is your patriotic duty to go to Sears and leverage your future labor to keep them in business for another well, 11 months. You know, you know, the bottom line is, had, had Sears kept their eye on the ball and, and did what they did initially um, and, and offer, you know, a line of, of products um, that was defined and, and, you know, Sears did what they did and they did it well. For the longest time. And, and then they tried to get diversified and they, they tried to, you know, market all these different things that, you know, other people were marketing. So as a result, they didn't do anything well. But, and yeah. even their appliances, which were always sort of, um, you know, kind of a standard for, for the industry, you know, where you could, buy, yeah. you could go to Sears and buy like a Kenmore washer and, and be pretty, pretty assured that it was going to be a pretty good product that was going to last you a while. Right. Um, well, the, the last Kenmore washer that, that my wife bought, um, and it was a real basic washer. She doesn't want a whole lot of bells and whistles on it. Right. It lasted like two years. Ask me, ask me about our Kenmore stove. Ask me about. So what they did is they've cut their own throat and they expect us to, to, to boil them up. 
but because the thing, they did it to themselves. The car we, industry did that too. But we are given the mm -hmm. illusion in this modern American caste system that if you are an executive of a big, huge brand name company, how dare you question their omnipotence? How dare you well, question? You don't have, it doesn't matter whether I question it. It matters whether they can support their their line. You're not, because you the thing is, is that that's the... If that, they can't support their line, then they go out of business. Oh, well, you know, that's their problem. That's They, they did it to themselves. Nobody else did it to them, but they didn't keep up with, um, you know, keep marketing a standard of goods that was something that's going to draw people back to their store. Right. Then... You know, it's like it's like um, Radio Shack or or one of those other places that went under because they they marketed garbage. You know? Sure. And then finally, people caught on to it that you know you go and get a a set of Radio Shack headphones and they stop working after ten minutes. You know, so you're going to go back to Radio Shack and buy something else? No, I don't think so. It's ironic that so you're having who's, all who's to blame. It's yeah. ironic that you're having all of these audio problems today while while you're using a Radio Shack cable. <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to mention that. Somebody somebody gave it to me. <laughs> but but, but it, you know, it's it's like everything else. You know, you you need a cable for something. You say, "Oh, I'm going by Radio Shack. I'll stop in there." And you do it and right. then, you know, you get a piece of junk. So Not anymore. So you, you well not anymore. No. If you, you it, and but but now and he, and here's the thing that has the big box stores in a panic. I can go online and I could and I can say, "Okay, I need a new power supply for my PV mixing board." What am I going to do? I'm I'm on Amazon Prime. I'm going to buy it and it'll be here in 2 days. I don't even have to leave the house. I don't even, hey, I don't even have to sh get showered and get dressed. It'll come to me. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? It's a great thing until Amazon has leveraged everybody else out. They're a monopoly and they can leverage their prices so that, you know, what what other choice do I have? Because you can't go to these other, uh, other specialty stores anymore. You used to be able to go to the music store where you bought... Cheshire Music, where you can buy the, the, the audio board, where I bought the audio board, and buy a replacement part. Those places don't even exist anymore. The right. specialty stores mm -hmm. have been muscled out mm -hmm. because of people like me who go online to buy the replacement parts that we need. Well, you know, and, and that all kind of leads to the fact that we're, we're getting away from a cash system. You yeah. know, you, you buy something on Amazon, um, you know, they, they kind of convince you that, and it is kind of a good thing, the Amazon Prime, you can get free shipping, and, you know, you, so you go on your computer, you find something you want, they have tons of products, you know, pretty much just about anything you want, you order it, and no money changes hands, really, you know, you don't, you put it on your Amazon card, and, you know, you pay the card off when the, you know, when the bill comes, and, and you're done, no, nobody has, so it's, it's really getting to like a, like we're not going to have money anymore. We just have credits for things, and and I, you know, I was I was listening to one guy talking about the money system, and, and he said that what they're eventually going to do is they're just going to give you credits for things. And if you, you know, if you consume X amount of things from certain manufacturers or from certain outlets, they'll give you some extra credits. Sure. So they'll give it's you incentive. Now. They'll give you incentive to use that particular outlet. Yeah. So that what that's doing is really freezing out the other ones so that they'll go out of business and then they'll just have fewer and fewer outlets. Like where Kohl's point where we get to 1984. Or that's where Kohl's cash 2084, comes from. whenever it's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could remember the author, but I read a, sci a great sci-fi story a long time ago. And uh, in, this, in this society, 
the more you had, the worse off you were considered. And this family uh, started using robots to wear their clothing and use their appliances and, and use them all up. And they got to the point where they had so little that they were like at the top of this, their society. And, that's a, and there's a part of me, because, I mean, listen, I mean. So it's like a reverse of. It's a reverse of what's going right. on. But the thing is, is that, <clears throat> and, here, and here's the thing, here's, here's the coda, I guess, for this. Uh, I lost a ton of weight. I have lost, Walt will not shut up about how good I look now. I have lost somewhere between 20 and 30 pounds. Eric made that up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my wife will not shut up about well, okay. how great I, I look. I can't say anything about that. I went from, because the thing is, is that nine months ago, I just said, I'm going to be fat for the rest of my life. And I bought size 36 pants, 36 waist pants. So the, the real the real thing was people were starting to refer to him as Jabba the Fisk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And so, you know, and my wife said, let's fix this. Let's eat healthier. Let's stop drinking all of our calories in the form of scotch and gin. She got me on a weight program. And now uh, for the first time in 15 years, I bought a size 32 waist pants. I, and now Eric, I, I have which, no which, idea. Which Eric can't. Which Eric, the motorized shopping cart I got for you. Which Eric can't pull up to to his waist. No, no, not true. Not yeah. true at all. But here's the thing: I'm only down to four four pairs of pants now, as opposed to having twelve or fourteen pairs of pants that I was constantly. I was a slave to laundry, and now that I'm now that I've downsized, I, I'm able to spend all of my time doing more fun things like making fun of Jim and how he cried and he mourned after watching that Netflix movie for the love of Spock, which is now on Netflix. <laughs> I did not watch it. You lot, yeah. Are you say, are you saving it? Are you, are you saving the, that documentary no, for the weekend? I quality for both Star Trek and Star Wars. So like, you know, I don't know where you came up with this. Like I'm on one side I like them both. <laughs> That's why right now I'm watching the original uh, Star Trek episodes from the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, Eric, Eric likes to create pol polarity. <laughs> I, I have to bow out a little early. Uh, I, have a, I have to get to an appointment by quarter two. So We're two hours into the show when he calls us bowing out early. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, yeah, thanks for, before the show ends. Thanks for thanks for staying with us, John. It was, it was, it was, your your input is always valued. It always, it always adds. I appreciate a, it. It's, it's, it's always fun. It's always fun. Hey, and <laughs> thank and, you. and Jim. In all honesty, in all honesty, I just want you to remember. I have been, and I always shall be, your friend. <laughs> even the, even if you don't send us a Christmas present. <laughs> The, uh, we won't, we won't hold I'm, it against I'm you. Just, I'm li actually, I'm bowing out because I'm tired of your half-breed interference, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pointy years. I'll talk to you later. All right, see you guys. See you, Jim. <laughs> oh, he's out. Down and out. He's down and out. So, the, so, the, 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 so for me, I think that the question is, what do you want for Christmas, Walt, in lieu of everything that we just said? I, I I want to um, I, I want to just have um, Christmas where I can feel like I'm at peace with with my life. I guess that that's that's the most valued thing I can think of. I, I don't really need anything material. I, I yeah. you know, There's nothing that I can really say. Oh yeah, I want a new TV or something like that. You know, 
that really doesn't have any meaning for me at this point. I, I just want to know that, you know, that I'm healthy and that my family's healthy and that we can get together and have have a good, enjoyable Christmas, you know, on a very basic level, I think, you know. Uh, it brings to mind the, the Christmas movie, which, you know, a lot of people kind of view it as a little bit hokey, maybe. And in some ways, I guess it is. It's a little a little on the schmaltzy side, but but that's kind of OK for for Christmas movies, I think. Um, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. You know, it's a, um, it really is a good message in it. And Christmas is really not about um, receiving and, and, and even really giving gifts. It's really about um, the basic joyfulness of the holiday. You know, when, when you sort of feel like every, all, your, all, your, all your ducks in a row and everything's, you're, you're safe for the day. You know, I think that's, that's an important thing. That's what I would like to feel anyway. I don't know. What about you? What are you what's what's your spend? Do, do you do you watch that? I watch that movie every year. My my family doesn't always enjoy it, but oh, I cry um, like a baby at the end. Of um, it. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's a it's got a joyful message to it, you know. It's and it's it's really about a simpler time, you know. There's a there's a clear cut bad guy, and a clear cut good guy, and you know you, you can you can easily do, and the, and the good guy wins at the end, you know. Right. He, he doesn't necessarily get what he thought he wanted but he gets what is important you know and that's yeah he's loved by everybody in the good, town that's a good message right he's there, loved you know? by everybody in right. the town right i think that that's i think that it was just like it's one of those things where it's like you watch it and you realize that hey everybody's life has some kind of meaning and everybody there's good in everybody and unless your name is mr potter then well then you're just going to burn in hell for right. taking that in, money in from, his wheelchair from yeah and it was like, uh, you know, and, I, and and the thing is, is that, I mean, I, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing what my life would be like if, if what the world would look like if I wasn't alive. I'd love to be able to see, I'd like to see, you know, my Potter's, you know, my Pottersville. I'd like to see what life would have looked like on the other side of the the, the veil of darkness. Mm. Uh, you That's know? an interesting concept. You know, what was, you know, how many things have you impacted with your life even if you don't think there's many things that right um or, or that you've done really that many important things um you know if you were subtracted from the equation what would that do to no. people's to a lot of people's lives really you know even people that you might not think you've impacted much would, sure would be somewhat different sure. you know uh, and, it, and it's interesting because potter in that movie really does represent the banking industry oh, I, oh I mean, absolutely it's, it's, it's the way on on a very basic level that they're presenting there that's it's really exactly the way it is you know he's he's taking advantage of people's um deficits and buying their properties and stuff at a, at a very devalued rate so that he can make more money yeah you know that's it's kind of the way it is it's off what's of happening a, off of people's rent as it were Absolutely, but I, I, I but the the one thing i i told my wife and i said that you know that what i really wanted for christmas besides a better appreciation for what i have is is being able to do things with my sons and being things able to do things with i would i would rather have airplane tickets to someplace exotic than anything than anything else you can put it under the tree i would ra i would rather have an adventure with my wife and kids i would rather have an experience with my wife and kids yeah, but you don't have to fly somewhere for that you can you can have that anywhere really i mean you yeah can, you know it, it doesn't have to be hey we're talking about my christmas fantasy year well okay if that's if that's your fantasy okay i'll give you that but i, I mean in reality 
you just have to really pare down what your what your ideal version of Christmas is. I think you know is it is it having like a whole room full of wrapped packages that you get to tear the paper off of and see what's inside, or is it really about the emotion that um, is is really the essence of Christmas? That's you know I I think about people that don't have family and don't have that kind of emotional support you know that you get from people that you're surrounded by you know so i think that's what people should really keep in their minds for christmas i I just watched the uh we went to see my son got tickets one of one of his gifts to us was to uh, which i think is is probably one of the greatest christmas stories ever written well charles dickens charles dickens yeah and 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 it, it really it really does give you the message of christmas i always feel like Christmas after I see that. Yeah, yeah. I always feel good about Christmas. Um, It should be something, it shouldn't be something that you stress over and that you feel like you have to get Uncle Joe a, uh, you know, a set of coffee mugs from from Walmart or somewhere. It's it's not about that. It's not, you know, Uncle Joe doesn't even need those damn Christmas, those coffee mugs, you know. It's not not that important, really, to get stressed and, and really lose the essence of the whole thing. I think what would really be cool for Christmas is to fill a need or a void that somebody else has. Like yeah, the thing yeah, is is a that good idea. Like um you know like my like my I'd like to give my son like a brand new desk that he can actually like do his homework on. Something that he would actually Use that would in, in, enhance and enrich his life, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, get a pair of socks and underwear and and uh, things that you oh, know, like a, a new a, a new game or something yeah. like that. That well, a desk is something that is functional for one. Yeah, thing. it's something that he can use all the time throughout the year, and and something that he might keep going forward. Right you know, when he when he develops his own living. When he has children and grandchildren of yeah. his own, he'll yeah. remember. He'll be. He'll remember his dad. As long as you don't get it from Bob's discount furniture. Oh my God! You're gonna fucking. You're killing me here. <laughs> Just kidding, Eric. I know. You Ask me that. about my couch. Ask me about my couch from Bob's. Sometime. Nah, I don't. I don't care. You should have known better. I think the the most important thing is is that it's the experiences and do something for somebody that's transformative. Yeah, you don't. You don't really remember. At least personally, I, I don't remember toys and things like that. You know, maybe a few here and there. But what, what's really important is, um, you know, the, the the family time that you had, the, the emotional um, things that, that moved you in some way, you know, that seeing people, you know, that you hadn't seen for a while and those kinds of things, you know, is, is really the, the essence of it, I think. So people, I think, need to pare back their the commercial point of view and and really think about um you know what the what the essence of christmas is it's not it's not about buying stuff necessarily it's my my christmas message for the day now we're going to do two upcoming shows that sort of um are connected to christmas yeah yeah Um, i think the the show we did today is important because if people need to think about not getting any deeper into debt and and for the love of God, for the, for the love of God, people, please do not go further into debt to service this pagan holiday with a Christian name. I remember right. that right. you know somebody had said that, and that yeah. stuck with me. No, it's true. It's true. So next week we're gonna we're gonna talk about Christ and what what Christ 
was or was not, or who he was or what he was. From two different perspectives. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We usually, yeah. we usually do that. And then we're going to do a show on, what is it about the winter solstice? Why is it so many... Why is it that so many of the major religions have the biggest holidays around the winter solstice? Yeah, it's a good question. We're gonna have it's, we're gonna have some a, significance to that. And I'm also gonna ask you a very fundamental question about the about uh, the winter solstice, and um, and uh, what what do you what do you think about the winter solstice celebration surplanting Christmas? Is it a good thing or a bad thing or? Or should we be celebrating all the major holidays that 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 are that are revolve around the winter solstice? I don't know. Maybe we can answer that question. That'll, that'll be yeah. two weeks. That's in two weeks. Two weeks, right? Next week's we're going to talk about Christ, which is fairly obvious because hey, it's Christmas, right, man. That's where Christmas comes from. Right. Um, and then you know the origins of Christmas. Right. Maybe be some surprises in there that people don't don't know about or think about. Sure. And so, okay. Sure. That's it. That's all I got. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the unexplained and supernatural phenomenon and is dedicated to you people, our listeners. You can learn more about us by going to our webpage, metaphysicalpodcast.com. There you will find links to this episode's show page with links to more information on this podcast's topics. Also, the metaphysicalpodcast.com, you can find links to our Facebook and Twitter handle, past episodes, and links to our iTunes and Player FM accounts. That's also a great portal for you to contact us and let us know if you'd like to be guests on our show. Just drop us a line with a quick summary of what you'd like to talk about or promote and means of getting back in touch with you. The Metaphysical Connection is a product of the Fedora Chronicles Network, copyright 2016, all rights reserved. Until next time, keep your chins up and your fedoras on.